Hello and welcome to the latest episode of No Limit with Christoph and Luke, a Seven Investing production. It is episode 16 and it's the 25th of April as we record. I'm back in the UK still. How, uh, whereabouts in the world are you, Christoph? Actually, stupid question. I know where you are. I see that library. What's happening in yeah. Texas? In Texas, Luke, we have a very blustery spring so far. Lots of thunderstorms, rain, wind. I just finished teaching my class at UT. The Rhetoric of Animals, uh, which was a thrilling experience. Which is the most exciting animal? The most exciting? Obviously, the platypus. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, the idea of the course is that humans approach everything from a human uh, perspective. Questions like legal rights for animals grounded on the fact that they have emotions, intelligence, consciousness. They're just different than us and in many ways better than us, <laughs> depending on, you know, if you're if uh, if you're in the ocean, would you rather be a human or a dolphin? Yeah. Hey, well, so long and thanks for all the fish when the Vogons come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not Henry Adams. Um, Douglas, Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams, right. That's right. Yeah, but otherwise things in Texas are a little bit uh, rough in terms of, uh, well, my own political persuasion is that people should not be allowed to have guns without any license or permit. For example, uh, it doesn't feel very safe that anyone could just, you know, up and get a firearm, and then uh, especially on the university campus setting, you know, uh, something happened where where you guys are based. Let's put it this way, you know, Texas, Texas is, uh, is part of the US and the US is extremely polarized and people have stopped having genuine conversations. So we're quick to anger. And when you're quick to anger and on the university setting, based on the academic freedom, the point of the university is to have difficult conversations. But add to that, you know, young minds, emotional volatility, the capacity to get a gun, if you feel like it, it doesn't make you feel really safe, to be honest. So <laughs> that's the state yeah, of affairs in, in Texas. Yeah, okay, I agree. A, a highly politically charged topic, and I'm sure like we've got listeners on both sides of the aisle with this one, but I'm kind of with you. I've, I've not been in the situation in my visits to the US where I've kind of seen people open carrying, but I can't imagine that's comfortable. Right, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> Things are, everything's politicized. I'm just speaking from my perspective. If my job yeah, yeah. requires me speaking truthfully, it now makes me worried that some young person might get upset and shoot me. Right. That's, yeah. I mean, I don't know how political that is in the sense <laughs> that that, uh, that just seems to be the case on the ground. But it's how Friday you know, reality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we yeah. So, in a, in a not remotely similar, but um, I suppose the same kind of sense of uh, dread so we had a a test in the uk on sunday uh, at 3 p.m of the the national emergency alert service um so everybody's phone like screamed with some siren at 3 p.m and you got like a test message to say this is a test don't take any action but if we want you to like here's a link uh so you know it can't be a coincidence with what's happening you know, in Eastern Europe right now that we're testing mm -hmm. these capabilities. I'm not sure what useful information the, the government could broadcast to me if there's an inbound hypersonic nuclear missile. But, <laughs> right. <hey. laughs> 
uh, otherwise, how's uh, how's your country standing up? You know, being back in the UK after some time away to Uncle Sam's land. So just from a personal perspective, I suppose, uh, like I'm missing my ski season. I made some lifetime friends there and I'm hoping one or two are listening to the pod. But I'm glad to be home. Like I restarted my piano lessons this morning with a new piano instructor. So that's oh. good fun. Um, yeah, into that. Been played play tennis most days. That's good. I'm trying to get my tennis game back. Um, need to get back into the running. You know, I've had a couple of boozy nights out with friends. So it's nice just kind of being back in the zone. And I've got the motorbike trip coming up. So there's a bit of fun to look forward to. Awesome. Right on. Yeah. I'll be in your neck right of the woods in, in July in Sicily. Oh, okay. Right. Do you have an Italian uh, link? Yeah, my wife is Italian. Oh, well, Sicilian, Sicilian, and uh, yeah, we know. Um, you know, with an incredible new AI tool I've been playing with the last twenty-four hours, I could probably find out quite a lot about your wife and really anybody else without having a great deal of information about them. Shall I tell you a little bit about Pimize that I've just started playing with? Yeah, tell me about your newest <laughs> from malevolent, <laughs> crazy spy it's tech toys. It's completely nuts. Uh, and so I'm not paying for this thing, right? Because I, I'm, this has crossed many ethical boundaries, actually. Mm -hmm. But um, this it's frightening, the power of AI. And actually, if you're listening and you're interested, go Google it and go check it out. Maybe go search for yourself on PIMEYES, P-I-M-E-Y-E-S, and then stand in horror. Privacy just kind of means nothing anymore. So this website, you upload one or two photos of a person essentially you want to stalk, I suppose. I, I have searched myself. I searched for you. I searched for a uh -huh. few other friends. Um, and PIMEYES will serve up, even as a free tool, it'll serve up uh, images of that person on the internet and my god it's accurate like from a couple of low resolution pictures of myself it dredged yeah. up all sorts of random things from the past thankfully nothing that made me kind of squirm and be horrified but uh, and it's all stuff on the public web although it does apparently have like a deep search function which i haven't played with because you've got to pay for that um mm -hmm. but yeah like if, <laughs> oh, uh, if your face is anywhere on the internet now it doesn't even have to be associated with your name or any information about you you can now be tracked down. It's uh, it's wild. It, it that really is terrifying. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 at a loss for words about how to follow up that brilliant insight. But, but it, it, it is the scariest thing I've actually ever played with. I think in just in the last twenty four hours, the incredible power of this thing. Um, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on privacy generally? So I unfortunately feel like. I'm I'm not on the paranoid side of the spectrum. So I'm on the laissez-faire spectrum, I think, just in terms of my personality. I'm a kind of gullible optimist. And that's slowly shifting. Uh, slowly shifting, and it's not that becoming more cynical, but I think humanity is just leaning over our skis way, way too dangerously with AI. And we know there's a lot of bad actors looking to take advantage in any which way. These tools are becoming so powerful that issues like privacy are becoming more and more a, a genuine concern for me. And I think it's one of the ways that blockchain technology is useful because there's ways to, you know, actually protect your privacy and not have to trust 
anyone. That's, I think, one of its best use cases as we continue going forward. And the concept of pseudonyms, I think that, you know, using legitimate handles to semi-identify yourself is going to be an important feature for us going forward. But I just, I wanted to uh, share with you in response to this, Luke, I was listening to uh, something fascinating I, I just came across. There's a really fascinating human whose name is Derek Sivers. His website is S-I-V-E dot R-S. And he was an entrepreneur who sold his business for $20 million, gave it all away to charity. He was a professional musician, a professional clown, and lives his life, as far as I could tell, truly free from ideological constraint. He seems to legitimately stop and think, how can I live the most free, authentic life that, that I can? It's kind of amazing listening to him. So if you go to his website, he keeps this very, very basic, almost HTML level website. And this is a guy who co knows how to code <laughs> on a very high level. So it's fascinating that he chooses this almost like back to the basics approach. Anyhow, on the this conversation I listened to was on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And they get into a conversation about this very topic, about privacy and Sivers. In this style of saying, you ought to know what you're doing, kind of bottom up. You ought to be able to depend on yourself. That's a useful approach to life. You know, it's better to know how to cook a meal than to always have to order fast food, for example. And he transitioned that thought to, isn't it stunning that the cloud is essentially... A bunch of companies saying, trust us, we'll do everything for you. Don't worry, you know, you can upload your photos and your contacts and your calendars and your emails. We got this. Don't even think twice. And Sivers is saying, if you really examine that proposition, especially in this context that you're bringing up with PIMIs, where your data is literally in the hands of some other company, and this is uh, one of these trust-based agreements where you're not even thinking, you're exchanging convenience for not having to think about it, it's getting more and more dangerous. So the last thing I'll say is that Sivers then did something extremely useful, which our listeners might want to take a look at. Uh, on his website, if you go to Sivers uh, and then you click on his now he has a link that's that's now what what he's doing now and he uh ha, he wrote this kind of instruction manual under tech independence in which he takes you step by step through i guess it's uh now 18 18 steps on how to literally set up your own server and emails and domains so that you are the one who hosts everything. And there's a little bit of, of tech, you know, there's a lot of knobs here, but he's very careful in, in laying it all out very carefully. So check it out or not, but I thought the idea was fascinating. You know, this, if, if you're, if you're anyone who 
thinks of themselves to any capacity as a do-it-yourselfer or there's value in protecting yourself. This Pimai investigation that you just, <laughs> your excursion into the, the, the dungeons of AI or whatever shown up, this is a wake-up call. Yeah, agree. I mean, reflecting on your um, sort of self-custody of your online identity and all your information, it's a bit like the blockchain conversation we had a couple of weeks ago where, you know, you could put your money in a bank um, and maybe you get, you get kind of an SVB situation, run on the bank situation and you're in big trouble. Um, or you could keep your money on blockchain, maybe put it on your own mm. like ledger, your own device. But if you're doing self-custody, like, like anecdotal example, right? Let me just grab some piece of piece of junk technology, right? I used to run my own server. Here is my NAS, yeah. right? Mm. It died about a year ago and I've, I had everything in the cloud anyway, but my NAS is dead. I'm now having to do like data recovery to try and get some stuff off this that I have actually lost. Um, you entrust all your information to like a Google or an Apple or someone, it is safe, um, but you never know how else it's being used, perhaps with or without you know, your knowledge if you didn't read all the T's and C's. So kind of pros and cons to both. I was perhaps in the camp previously, like 24 hours ago, of saying, I don't care. Like I, I'm willing to sacrifice my privacy for this incredible utility. And I use this tool, I'm like, wow, actually, I'm, I might be being a bit lackadaisical with my information there. I kind of want to think about this a little bit harder. Yeah, this, you know, other than maybe the creep factor of right. being able to, like you said, take a photo of someone on the street using your iPhone right. incognito, bring that photo to your computer, upload it and use this service and find out all kinds of things about this person. That is really creepy. I yeah. think... The bigger, maybe the more, I mean, not that that's a small thing, but as AI begins to, I guess, infect, it might be the, the, the right word here. I, I really, it's almost like I want to say, naively or not, I did do trust Google in this weird, like, uh, whatever... Just don't tell me what you're doing, but you're a big corporation. You're in the public eye. Okay, just versus knowing that now individual people are amassing enough power to pretty much do all kinds of stuff. The privacy issue becomes literally terrifying and legit. Yeah, 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 agree. If you've got bad intent in whatever manner, right, suddenly there's some very powerful tools at your hands that previously perhaps only you know governments and police forces had access to kind of yeah you can do some crazy stuff i mean looping a little bit back to ai right the rise of gpts it won't be long probably already before highly targeted um like spoofing attacks can be run on individuals with you know rather than just getting like a random text message saying grandmother like i'm overseas and i'm you know i need i need some money to get the bus home you could actually go kind of find out all about someone's identity, target the grandmother with a simulated voice that sounds like the person, maybe even a simulated image on a video call. Um, you know, hokey example there, grandmother, but it might be, you know, your bank or uh, some other institution. It's going to be very much easier to con people effectively, make them believe something that isn't true to some nefarious ends. Yeah, not great, Luke. I mean, we, yeah. you know, there there's a lot of serious 
experts in AI writing that, you know, open letter and saying this just isn't going to end well and uh, right. humans, we don't have a great track record. I did. I, let me read. Let me read just three of these short paragraphs to what Sivers wrote, I think, just to tie this up uh, under, you know, the merits of doing it yourself. He writes, tech independence is about not depending on any particular company or software. The only tools you need are the common open source basics built into any Linux or BSD operating system. Free public domain tools that are not owned by anyone have no commercial intentions and can run on any computer. By learning a few of these basic tools, you can run your own private server on any computer forever for the rest of your life. Host your own website and email, keep your own contacts and calendars synced with your phone, Back up and sync your photos, movies, and music to your own private storage. No more subscriptions needed. You can ignore all the companies offering, quote, solutions, even if they are free because they take this self-reliance away from you. The point is to know how to do it yourself, not to have somebody do it for you. It's worth a little upfront work like learning how to drive. So for your consideration, dear listeners, I'm toying with the idea. I mean, I guess I would set aside like, probably a good six hour block on a Saturday to to get down and dirty and follow all these steps. And I imagine there'd be, there's a learning curve, but it would probably feel satisfying. Just uh, have a good backup strategy. Mine failed. <laughs> <laughs> should, we, uh, should we talk about hardware? Different, slightly different topic. Get off of this doom and gloom. Uh, there's some like, interesting stuff coming in a domain I think you're close to, but... Uh, um, I just saw some hot off the press news relating to batteries. Tell you a bit about this. Yeah. But... So I'm just going to, I'm going to quote from an article I read a few days ago. So um, actually, no, I won't start there. Let's start with kind of where we are today. So the best battery we have today is kind of lithium iron technology um, and a way of measuring uh, the effectiveness of the kind of capacity of a battery. One way is to look at its energy density. And then the measure of that is watt hours per kilogram. It's fine if you've got like some battery in your garage powering your house, you don't really care how much it weighs. But if you've got a battery in your phone or your watch or your headphones or in your car, actually the the weight of the battery, the physical weight uh, is quite important um, because it can't be unwieldy, but you still want to get like enough power out of it to fulfill whatever purpose it has. So lithium ion batteries today, about up to about 220, 230 um, watt hours per kilo. And that's actually where Tesla are at today uh, with their 4680 cells, which are going into like the, their cars. So anyway, one of Tesla's suppliers, a company called CATL, Cattle, I can tell you what it stands for. Um, so they're a Chinese company, valuation is about $150 billion. Um, and I think they, the article I'm reading says, they are the world's largest battery manufacturer, so maybe by market cap. We're always hearing about, you know, advances in batteries coming in a few years, coming in five years, ten years time. Well, these guys have actually made a material step forward with something they're calling a condensed battery, um, and they're going into mass production this year. So they've actually got this nailed, and they're about to scale out a significant rate. And they've almost doubled um, the battery capacity based on watt hours per kilogram. They estimate that they'll be their batteries will producing 500 watt hours per kilogram. It's really interesting. Um, and Musk himself has highlighted that. And this makes me very excited personally. 
um, electric flight starts to get interesting once you get above 400 watt-hours per kilogram, which these guys seem to have done. So we might see, as they get to full-scale production, uh, we might suddenly uh, finally see flying cars. You know, we might see um, electric long-haul jets, perhaps, certainly domestic flights. We might see electric cargo ships. This, I think this is really quite exciting stuff. Slightly more mundane, perhaps, but, you know, your, your next iteration of your iPhone at some point probably going to have double the battery life for the same kind of thinness and weight. It's pretty exciting. It is exciting, Luke. Uh, let me talk about Tesla a little bit because it's to segue into the topic for today, which is uh, the big ideas from ARC and electric vehicles. I've shifted thinking of Tesla as a car maker, and now I think they are a battery maker and they put wheels on batteries. And I think that entire industry is fundamentally driven by battery chemistry and engineering. So this is a huge advance, like you were saying, across the board. So my bias is that I guess because I've been studying and interested in Tesla now for it's close to 10 years because I was one of the really early adopters in terms of like, you know, following the story. But especially in the last, say, five years, I, I had I bought one of the original Model 3s, 2018. I stood in line to, you know, reserve my, <laughs> my, my car. So I'm very biased. I've been thinking, you know, in this mindset, I guess as many early tech, early adopters are. And it just always seemed to me obvious that electric vehicles are going to be the future. Now, of course, uh, Tesla nearly died several times and there were all kinds of massive forces trying to protect old interests. But in 2021, where Musk pretty much proved that the car is safer, faster, and can perform better, and the long-term costs are at least that par in parity with internal combustion engine cars, Scientifically, you know, it wasn't a subjective, do you, which color brand do you like better? It's like the, the car is just better. After that was proven, it became weird for me to think somebody would deliberately choose an ICE car, a gas car, over an electric vehicle car if, in fact, they got the appropriate tax credits and the parity worked out on paper. Like, why would you do that? ARCs claim is that electric vehicles are taking over the world and that they will grow at a 50% CAGR out onto 2030. So for the next seven years. And like you were saying, all of this gets sped up by battery advances like the one you were talking about, where the range is now longer and more kinds of vehicles become available. And then you start messing with different kinds of autonomous vehicles that are not just cars, but, you know, food delivery systems and flying drones and Amazon delivering things via the sky and making railroads obsolete, for example. The moment, I mean, you know, Tesla makes the semi, Pepsi, I, I believe has taken delivery of a bunch of Tesla semis. We know that highway driving is pretty straightforward in terms of, you know, complex maneuvering. 
the full autonomous you know system on our teslas you you have do you have the fsd i do but it's a gimmick in the uk it's not it's nowhere near as good oh you don't have the fully unlocked version i know i do i do it's just regulations forbid it from doing anything that has utility yeah oh i see okay well yeah i'm not saying anything that's unknown but you know i'm i've been playing around with the real thing here in austin and yeah it it legitimately works in complex situations so highway driving at this point is really not a big thing so yeah what's what's stopping entire industries from moving away from you know old diesel cars driven by human to fully autonomous electric trucks or systems that increase safety and cost and all that. I'm having a hard time even coming up with anything resembling a bear case. Um, like if we get into ARC specifically, feel free to argue with this position. I think they've embarrassed themselves with their latest financial model for Tesla's valuation. I haven't looked at it in detail. I've just seen the headlines, to be honest. Like, as ever, I, I find myself drawn to their thesis and their idea and their sort of view of the future just finding their actual financial models laughable in terms of how optimistic they are over such a short period, you know, triple their Mm -hmm. time frame. I could kind of buy it, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think especially in today's new AI age, predictions any further out than, I don't know, six months, (laughs) (laughs) right? right? Like, how can we possibly know? I guess the takeaway from their, their highly optimistic price per share model is, I guess the signal there to me is, they're saying it's just incontrovertible that a company like Tesla will become a world leader in this space and the world is going in this direction unequivocally and there's no stopping it anymore. What the details will end up being based on gross margins and and all the discussions about, you know, all that. Yeah, I think (laughs) I would not I would not bet anything based on that piece of their research. Yeah. Yeah. But a world in in which every vehicle and transportation itself is electrified, I think is exciting. And I was wondering, you know, what happens to the gas stations and what happens to the gas industry? And I mean, it's a massive shift. It's it's right. Is it more massive than going from horse and carriage to steam engines versus going from gas to electric? That's not as big of a, of a leap, but it certainly changes all kinds of dynamics. Maybe if you take climate, you know, change into consideration, what a big leap that is in those terms. Yeah, and um, you know, and that in combination, electrification in combination with at some point in the next couple of decades, limitless sustainable energy from combination of renewables and some form of nuclear power, right? Suddenly we unlock a lot of capabilities for humanity and anything that's still driven by the non-renewable fuel sources, that's going to get left in the dust. So we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves maybe a little bit if we went for like mass electrification right now, but it's certainly the right thing to do. But I think Musk himself has said, right, if you couldn't just turn off non-renewables, if you did that, like the world is over. We have to go through a a fairly long, painful transition. And it's not helping that countries like Germany are like shutting down their nuclear program. That's just insanity. And they're turning back on Mm. coal plants. Um, So, but, you know, one step backwards, two step forwards, hopefully. 
Agreed. So I think the takeaway here is that batteries and the battery industry is a very, very good place to be looking right now in the market. And that's where I'm sort of, I made a pretty, pretty drastic pivot over the last two months, kind of starting to try to educate myself more deeply about how this all works. And my recommendation for uh, April for seven investing was a, was a unknown battery storage company and my recommendation for may is tied to that ecosystem so to speak so subscribers will will get to know what that is on may 1st i saw your deep dive on friday like two two potentially interlinked companies one tiny uh highly volatile one super stable with its feet in the um sort of legacy fossil fuels business but also a step towards the future i think could be quite interesting as a as a pairing yeah and you know the thing about that luke is it's interesting because this recommendation that's coming in may is it is kind of emblematic of a bunch of companies that their base is oil and gas and the you know energy from the way we've gotten energy for the last 200 years but now they're pivoting toward renewables and everything to become more environmentally friendly and using chemistry for the benefit of the environment. And anytime you see old dinosaurs, so to speak, this is a 40-year-old company, actively shifting where they're investing their money and that it's renewable and tied to energy, that's, that's like this battery company you were talking about. Like all this innovation is happening and it might, I don't know, I'm becoming more and more optimistic that we really might solve the climate change problem, even though we were extremely slow to get going on it. I hope so, because we're all dead if we don't. <laughs> it, One of the countless it, ways in which we could kill ourselves. Yeah. Amen and, and hallelujah. So I have one more topic that's a little bit tied into what we were just talking about. And it's it's kind of a half-brained riff on... On this feeling I had when I was going through the ARC deck about electric vehicles and how they're going to take over the world, tied in with the recent earnings from Tesla, in which Elon and company, in no one in in no uncertain terms, basically said, We're willing to sell cars now at cost, so forget profit margins, in order to get volume, because once people have our cars Later on, we're going to have massive, massive margins with uh, full autonomous driving. That sounded incredibly similar to me from the message we heard from Meta. That we used to be, you know, a social network, but now we're going to invest insane amounts of money to create this metaverse. And when investors heard that, we know what happened. The stock, the stock tanked. It's... They've since cleaned up their act in terms of, you know, operating efficiencies. But but I believe what the market right now with regard to Tesla is doing is having a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a panic attack. It's certainly <laughs> skeptical and saying, are you telling us that investing in Tesla now is really truly an investment in autonomous driving? And how worrisome 
does that make you? Is, it, is that a rhetorical question or do you want an answer? No, I, it, well, it was and then, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is and it isn't, you know. I'm, it, so, yes, the rhetorically, yeah, that that's uh, to the investment community at wide. But when you hear that, Luke, what do you think? Yeah, I, I sort of buy that. Maybe it's not quite the same thing because um, like Zuck, Zuckerberg did seem to have lost his way and he was so laser focused on the metaverse you know even to the point of renaming the company from facebook to meta um it was an all-in bet and it's really only because probably his cfo and the board have said like wake up or we're out of the game um that they've come back and they've started talking about efficiencies and now they're cutting headcount for i think the third time just last week with the latest announcement and they're trying to sort of fix their financials because they were on such a crazy burn and if I contrast that with Musk and automation, like he's still laser focused on selling cars, building battery technologies, you know, having a bit of a folly perhaps with Optimus, but that could, you know, be an insane thing at the same time. And then it's like ARK Invest and some of these kind of, I'll say, I'll say charitably forward looking investors and investment funds, um, maybe they're putting a lot of weight on autonomous driving, but still the fundamentals of the company are rock solid. Um, so, you know, this, this is sort of additive. So for that reason, like I'm not increasing my Tesla stake. I think I've got like a two and a half percent allocation, but I'm certainly not selling it. Um, yeah, I don't know if that really answers the question or not. Yeah, it does. What I heard you say, Luke, was there's a big difference between making stuff in the real world, manufacturing real things like cars and batteries that real humans use versus investing in what is still predominantly a sort of sci-fi idea that even you know as someone that that invested a good amount of time in trying to understand the metaverse it is appealing in in that kind of creative there's a lot of appeal but there's just no guarantee about any of it none it could amount to nothing more than a toy for quite a long time for you know for decades while culture catches up whereas if autonomous vehicles actually work well they work and the utility is there on day one for everyone who owns one or wants to call an uber um like personally in that whole sort of vr space i see insane utility in augmented reality and mixed reality um and i can see you know value on day one for industry for people metaverse and vr that may be but you can probably get the same things done um, in traditional f forms for quite a long time before, mm -hmm. you know, eventually we're all just permanently kind of jacked into the internet and never leave our homes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agree. So I think, I think maybe the takeaway I'm getting from this conversation is from an investing standpoint, one, obviously it's an amazing time to be alive and to be an investor. Industries are changing faster than ever. And batteries seem to be the root, the root thing to understand. Uh, maybe you know those for that first principles thinking. If you understand batteries and if you are up to date on battery technology, you will then have a leg up on where to look in terms of all the new burgeoning industries, like say electric planes. So that's what I would recommend to our listeners is you know do go go to youtube just watch some basic videos about what batteries even are 
you know, like there's some great ones about science, you know, high school science or mid middle elementary science where you take a lemon and a copper penny and you, you, you create a lemon battery and, you know, how does this thing even work? And then work your way up to learning about lithium ion and, you know, and I look forward to, to doing my homework about C-A-T-L, yeah. cattle, cattle, right? C-A-T-L. Yeah. And just see yeah. what is it that, that the big leap was about and if you don't want to do your science homework just subscribe to seven investing and uh, lean on christoph's <laughs> research in simon i think he's our most accomplished uh i think manufacturing engineering mind Absolutely. so yeah read all his stuff you know about chips and processors and let me unpack that maybe a little bit more i i think seven investing's great uh value lies in this vault of research that has been done for over two years. And even if you're not interested in a particular stock, you could learn a tremendous amount about a certain industry based on the write-ups. So go and, check out uh, our vault. And let, me, uh, and, and let me just sort of extend that a little bit because actually, if you sign up, there's seven of us in the team. We've got way over a hundred years of investing experience between us. Certainly when I've joined, you've got just over a year of my writing, but that's all built on the foundation of kind of looking at this space for 20 years myself. So, um, yeah, you've got seven advisors, each with their own interests and passions, and, uh, in some cases, deep knowledge of particular industries. Go check us out. Yep. No reason, you know, no reason not to place learning at the very tippity top of your to-do list if you want to become a successful investor you just have to understand the fundamentals you know i gave uh, i gave some of the dd away yesterday i had lunch with an old buddy um actually i gave him a ride in the tesla for the first time he hadn't he hadn't had one before and he's a bit of a he used to be a bit of a car nut he was into his alfa romeos so uh, uh -huh. i don't know pete let me know i'm thinking of check out the podcast let me know if you're thinking about Tesla in a slightly different manner, but I did share a couple of my own deep dive theses with him over lunch. Um, so he's getting a bit of a freebie insight into seven investing there. Maybe I can sign him up as a member. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Let's check out those powers of persuasion, Luke. All right. Let's do it. Should we, uh, should we close out the episode by checking out your powers of insight on a random topic of my selection? Let's do it. We're playing the three conversations game. I'm going to pitch three random topics conversation to Christoph. He's going to put a line through one. I'll pick one of the other two. And this week, he's definitely going to give us a minute of insight and knowledge on the topic that's selected because he bailed on this four weeks ago when he failed to answer uh, the book question, the author question. So I oh, do have a, a shame. I do have a book question in here for you too as well. Let's see if you're brave enough to choose that one. <laughs> so. <laughs> This is episode 16, so I'll start with a sweet 16 question. When you were 16, what career expectations did you have for yourself and how close has reality adhered to those? Mm -hmm. Got to throw a business one in, I think. Uh, question two, which company or business model would you make obsolete if you could do so with a click of the fingers? And question three sort of leads into my bookie one. Have you seen the movie unbearable weight of massive talent with nick cage and pedro pascal seen that film uh, i have not what's the title again uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent well, anyway um mm. it's, a, it's it's 
funnier than I expected. It's uh, it's Nick Cage playing himself, visiting his greatest fan at his home, and uh, kind of hijinks ensue. Um, <laughs> so if you were to go on vacation with any author, uh, let's say you're going away to a desert island for a week, who would it be and why? There's no sort of survival aspect. You know, you're going to a resort hotel for a week. Which author would you go away with and why? Oh, that's easy. That one is actually pretty easy for me. Okay. Uh, so, so tempting. Mm, I want to answer all of these. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's cross out the uh, company business model to make extinct. Okay. All right. Uh, Although, can I give the answer you. in one second? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It would be the fast food industry that uses animal animal factory farming. Yeah, very that good. has to go. Okay, I buy that. Well, I do like a tasty burger from time to time, but uh, yeah, we're trying mm. to be nice vegans here many of the week days of the week. Okay, I've got to choose one of the other two. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to answer the career uh, the career expectations at sixteen, but the reason why is uh, like hilariously, I remember having a very clear thought sat in McDonald's as a nine-year-old or something with my grandmother and saying to her oh i wish i could work in mcdonald's so i knew how they made like the burger special sauce so that was my <laughs> career aspiration <laughs> wow what was young christoph what did he aspire to be <laughs> uh, when i was 16 i was madly in love with biology and that had in part to do with the, the fact that my track coach and my cross-country coach was my hero and my life was about running and he was also a fantastic biology teacher. So uh, I, I was mesmerized by biology. And when I entered university, uh, I was pre-med. So there was no doubt that the medical profession would be where I was going. So this is fast forward just a few years. But, you know, I'm 18, 19 and still on that path. And... I'm doing all the science and it's it's fine. I'm I'm doing well because I'm smart enough to kind of by sure exertion of will, I'll eventually understand the thing. I talked to a bunch of doctors. I worked for a doctor over the summer and they felt so trapped by the insurance industry and they felt like they were laborers rather than artists. And many of them tried to dissuade me from going into the, the profession. That was back in 2001. I haven't, I, I don't know how, how much worse or better things have gotten, but in terms of, you know, this feeling of freedom or you're responsible to the debt you have in medical school. Therefore you have to see a bunch of patients very, very quickly. You have pharmaceutical alliances that are pushing things on you. And it became, I thought there was beauty in this notion idealistic notion of healing and the way life works on that most innocent view of biology isn't this wonderful photosynthesis and <laughs> the krebs cycle and then the realities of the industry made me think do i want to give up my 20s be tortured in the process during residency come out with a whole bunch of debt only to be told what I can and can't do. That was the bleak picture, which then said, okay, not for me. Okay, so that's good. Like, so, like a very deliberate pivot as opposed to an accidental one. Yeah, and I wonder if there are any doctors listening to 
our pod if they have any, you know, uh, either confirmations about any of the horror, you know, difficulties that I just talked about, or whether being a physician and in this industry has been really fulfilling and nothing like I described. I'd love to hear from from any of that's if if that's. But the it case. counts for anything. You strike me as someone who'd have a fabulous bedside manner. So maybe the profession has lost something. Uh, oh, that's so that's so sweet. I'm blushing. <laughs> go, you know, go go forth and heal the minds of Texan youth instead. That's an equally laudable endeavor. It's not bad. Not a bad gig. <laughs> awesome. All right, Luke. So until next time. Thank you, sir. Uh, I shall speak to you soon. If you've enjoyed episode 16, maybe give us a subscribe. Go check out some of our other 7investing content and maybe share the episode with a friend. Thanks all.